0: My father taught me many things here. He taught me in this room. He taught me keep your friends close, but the greatest movie of all time closer. Today on the podcast, The Godfather, part two.
1: Movie podcast, it's, it's the greatest movie podcast. It's the greatest movie podcast. It's the greatest movie podcast. It's the greatest movie. Come on and hear me now. It's the greatest movie podcast. It's the greatest yeah. movie podcast. It's the greatest movie podcast. It's the greatest movie. Come on and hear me.
0: Welcome to the greatest movie of all time podcast, the podcast in which I, your co-host, Lionheart, Rick Barrasso.
1: And I, your co-host, the Big Deck Boski. We're going to watch every single movie ever made,
0: and we're going to help decide which one is the greatest of them all. How are you doing today, Derek? I'm doing phantasmo. How about yourself? I'm doing great. I'm looking forward to continuing the the discussion we had on Godfather 1 with Godfather Part 2 today, but let's take care of some business first. Last week, we started our Godfather journey with Part 1. I think it was our best episode yet. I agree. Uh, Yep, and just a ton of fun with that one. Listen to that one. Any of our library on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, whatever app you use to listen to podcasts, subscribe and review if you can. It's super helpful for the show and you know, five stars only, m- much like we're giving these movies today and uh, and last week, five stars. But uh, if you enjoyed that, uh, if you had a correction or a nitpick or anything you want us to cover let us know on social media. We want to get the conversation going. We are the Greatest Movie of All Time podcast on Facebook, at Great Moviecast on Twitter. We're at Rick and Rec on Instagram. And you can always email us at greatestmoviepod at gmail.com. We would absolutely love to hear from you. And as our old friend from the old country, Bruce Wayne, would say, tell your friends about us. This week, though, we're heading out to Lake Tahoe then we're going to beautiful sunny cuba and then we're back to tahoe as we kick off sequel month with the godfather part two and i'm excited so godfather part two it is a 1974 sequel to of course the godfather part one that we did last week and one of the few movies that can live up to those expectations it stars al pacino as michael corleone Robert De Niro as Vito Corleone, Diane Keaton as Kay Corleone, Robert Duvall as Tom Hagen, Talia Shire as Connie Corleone, Lee Strasberg as Hyman Roth, Michael Gazzo as Frank Pentangeli, and the great John Cazale as Fredo Corleone. It's got a nine on IMDb, a 96% on Rotten Tomatoes, and a 90% on Metacritic. It made somewhere in the range of about $88 uh, on a budget of $13 million. The major reviews were not quite as kind at the time the contemporary reviews as they were to the original uh gene siskel of kiss and the chicago tribune gave it three and a half stars (laughs) we're running with that by the way uh three and a half stars but the review itself was very positive he seemed to like it ebert three out of five The fuck vincent crosby of the new york times said it was a frankenstein's monster of a movie he didn't like it as much but obviously time and reflection has been extremely kind to this film. Derek, do you recall the first time you saw Godfather Part 2?
1: No, I can't I can't pinpoint the time I saw it. It, it was definitely after, you know, I, I watched the first one initially and I had to run, probably went out and grab the second one or rented it or whatever I did, but I remember it being um, very, very good. Very special. Very special movie. And uh, I, I, I don't know how I. I don't remember like how I felt at the time. But I just knew that after a couple of months, I was going in and telling everybody that I'm obsessed with these movies. Um, so that's kind of a memory of of, of this one. Yeah, uh, similar here.
0: Uh, once I saw the first one, I immediately went out and found the second one, and. Yeah, I mean, God is, it's, it's Godfather too, you know, it's, I remember loving it immediately and close, very close footing with the original, which is very rare, especially with a, a an original as beloved and, and, and great as Godfather, but perhaps some of you didn't go and seek out Godfather
1: Part 2 like we did. Goatfather. What's that? No, it sounded like you were saying goat instead of God, so I said Goatfather. Did, oh, did we not, was, was it not Goatfather. Oh, oh, oh,
0: give me two and a half hours. I'll be right back. Duh. Okay, we're back. So Godfather part two, perhaps you haven't seen it. Perhaps you watched The Goatfather instead by accident. And we're going to tell you now what you've been missing. Because Derek each week throws 30 seconds on his Spotify and times me instead of with a clock or a stopwatch or anything like that, as I try to explain what happens in our weekly subject, Derek,
1: what song are you using today? I'm actually not using a song. What? Get the... What? This week. This week, I'm going to be playing our episode from last week of The Godfather t- for 30 seconds. You're, any specific 30 seconds or just the, the just opening? The, just the opening. So really, you're just using the Godfather theme? Yeah, basically. Okay. Yeah. All right. Three... Two, one. Go.
0: Michael Corleone is betrayed, and it could be coming from anywhere in or out of his family. He is beset on all sides by those trying to prevent his plans to bring wealth and power to the family and eventually make them legitimate. His antagonists include Cuban rebels, a former business partner of his father, the U.S. Senate, and his own brother. Ultimately, his true enemies are his own hubris and lack of humanity as he keeps the family successful but loses his actual family. We also see Vito escape his homeland and make it to America, regains power, and builds the family his son will eventually lose.
1: All right, 26 seconds. Nice and All done. Right.
0: Okay. Now, we were texting as we were watching this movie. Or at least <laughs> as, I, as I was watching that movie. Yeah. And came to the conclusion that there were so many scenes that could have made the top three that it was incredibly difficult. And that it it was almost impossible, but I did it. I'm not, you, I, I am not confident in my top three because I know they'll I, change tomorrow. Here's the thing. I have – let me count how many honorable mentions I have. I have about seven honorable mentions, something yep, like yep. that. Makes sense. But, but
1: we'll go over that before we get to number one. So let's, uh, let's start with number three. Uh, you know, Rick, why don't we just do number four, since we did it last week. <laughs> Let's okay. start, I, I'll, I'll start Really quickly, I'll start with my number four. And, okay. and, I, and I just had to throw this in there. I had to mention this because this okay. was in my top three for a couple of days. Yeah. It's the very last scene in the movie where they flashback to Sonny yeah. Fredo and and, and I, I freaking love that scene it just it's so good that it's the very end um, I love everything about it it's funny it's 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 strange it's odd it's uh, it brings you back home you know, with, with the good old days, you know, I just wanted to mention that scene quickly. Yeah. That's one of my honorable mentions. <laughs> yep. Yep. For sure. Uh, so my number three. Okay. I, again, I'm, I do not know if this is my number three tomorrow, but uh, number three right now at this very moment is when Vito Corleone kills Don Fanucci. Um, I think his whole, you know, watching this man through the streets of New York during the, during the festa. Uh, and he, um, he tracks him down, he's climbing on, he's walking, running, jumping on rooftops, and he gets over into Fanucci's apartment, he wraps his arm up with a towel, with a gun underneath, he, he unscrews the light bulb, so the light's off, so Fanucci notices that the light is off, Fanucci fixes it, goes back in his apartment, what is that, boom, right in the chest, uh, rips open his jacket, takes a look down, sees a bloody spot, a little bit in shock. Then, uh, then he gets shot in the cheek, which is wonderful, and Fenucci drops like a bad habit, and then Vito uh, puts the, the gun in his mouth and blows his brains out. Then disposes of the gun by pulling it apart and throwing it down different chimneys, goes back to his family and holds Michael. What a scene. What a whole segment. Uh, this really, you, you, from, from the moment you meet young Vito to up to this moment, there's a big transformation there of uh, a, a regular guy just trying to make a living in America. He gets fired from his job, all these things. And then he's going and he's killing the uh, the black hand of the of the city. Tremendous scene. Yeah, it's, it's a beautiful scene and
0: shows how Vito is the, going back to our conversation last week, Vito is the guy who can do it all. You know he can he can run on the rooftops and he can go hold his son and he can be extremely successful at both. And we're seeing Michael kind of fail at, at both right now, uh, in the in the other timeline. So my number three is the scene where Michael is considering pulling out of his deal with Hyman Roth. And he goes to Hyman Roth and they they talk. The money hadn't made it into Hyman Roth's hands yet. And Roth explains to Michael that even if things are not necessarily personally good between the two of them, this is just – this is the business they've chosen. And he explains how Mo Green, who Michael had killed in part one, was – yeah, they were close friends, he and Roth, and eventually lays it out on the line. You know, if the money's on the table when I get out of the shower, I'll know I have a partner. If it's not, I'll oh, know I don't. And it's just brilliant, these two guys going, you know, just head to head. Pacino in maybe his best performance. Um, you know, Hyman Roth is played by Lee Strasberg, who's
1: like a famous acting coach. He, he yeah. is the, the, the uh the end all be all of acting coaches back in that day. Yeah. He, he's the
0: fact that they got him to be in a, in a sequel is <laughs> right. Even if it's the Godfather uh, is is wild, but yeah, it's just an incredible scene. It, yeah. It's, it's the fact that that scene is not number one as it would be in almost any other
1: movie is wild. Right. So what do you have for, uh, for number two? My number two is the end sequence uh, of, of Michael taking care of the business. And uh, this is, um, It's a little bit different from the way it's portrayed in the first movie, but uh, there's three big deaths here. Uh, We see the death of Hyman Roth uh, killed by Rocco Lampone and Rocco gets killed himself. Uh, I'm wondering to myself if Rocco knew he was going to die. Considering earlier in the movie, he said it's—it's uh, it, it's not impossible. It's not impossible. It's difficult, not impossible. I think he knew he was going to his death. Yeah. Um. Which is which is crazy. And then you see uh, Frank Pantangeli slit his well. You see the aftermath of him slitting his wrists in the bathtub, and the, the previous scene where Tom Hagen visits him is uh, a very strong scene. Very very <laughs> convinces him that uh, his family will be taken care of and everything. It's Wow, I could talk about that scene for a long time too. And then the last part is Fredo in the boat and he gets shot in the back of the head by Al Neary while saying a prayer. It's just intense. It's very intense. There's only three as opposed to what, the five or five or six that die in the first one, but each one really matters. They hold a lot of weight with each other and um, it's, it's very good. And then as soon as you hear that gunshot for Fredo uh, and you see Michael in, in the window of, of Lake Tahoe and he just puts his head down after that shot, it's uh, it's a powerhouse of emotion. It's it echoes the the similar
0: scene in part one so well, and if you look at Michael at the end of part one, he's surrounded by people that respect him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and he's taking on his father's legacy. In this, in the aftermath, he's just alone. Great point. Yeah, he's he has in the effort to create this picture of what he thinks the family should be what he he has killed or cast out everyone in his life Mm -hmm. no he can trust nobody nobody can really care about him or or vice versa it's 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 an incredible scene so my number two sort of leads into that and that is the scene where fredo and michael have their big conversation. That was after. in my
1: top three for a while.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, John Cazale, the man who only ever made great movies. Yep. He's never in a bad movie. He was never in a good movie. He was only in great movies. Yes. And this is maybe his best scene in a movie. hmm And just the, the pain of, you know, being passed over and just underestimated his entire life. Because he keeps fucking up. And Michael has that incredible tear down of him afterwards. And just like, I don't want to see you. If you're going to see my mother, you're going to call ahead to make sure I'm not there. So I don't accidentally run into you. And it's just, again, two guys, top of their game, killing it. Yeah, Incredible scene. Yep. What do you have for
1: your number one? Oh, boy. Oh, boy, Rick. Okay. So... What you just said is leading into this scene that I picked. Michael tells Fredo, I don't want to see you, all this, all these things. The scene that I chose uh, punched me in the throat, and it punches me in the throat every time I see it. And it's at their mother's funeral. And Fredo, uh, uh, Michael won't see Fredo. Um, I feel like at one point, uh, uh, Fredo's with um, the daughter there, uh, Get to Connie. Her name. Connie do Connie's standing there and she says, where's, uh, Fredo says, can I see Michael? He says, no chance. And then Connie says, where's Michael? He was in the boathouse. Kind of like Fredo's right there. Tom said it right in front of Fredo, I, I think, you know, yeah. in, a, in a lot of ways, Tom wanted him to make up. Anyways, Michael goes over to Fredo, who's sitting down on a chair and he gives him this hug and the music swells and it's just a powerhouse of a moment and then he looks he just tilts his head up and looks at al mary and al knows what the what he's why he's looking at him al puts his head down it's beyond filmmaking at this point it's so emotional and so real we know what's going to happen fredo is so feeble and he's 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 meek and this 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 man his his younger brother is, is standing over him and gives him this hug Saying to him basically, I, I I forgive you in so many in so many words or uh, and and then, just to see Michael look at Al kind of like, you know, my mother, you know, do not, I don't want my brother harmed while my mother's alive. Their mother is now deceased. The music swell when he hugs him. It's just like the it's it's the epitome of all the Godfather movies combined in one. It's this like majestic family and the majestic music it's it's all the emotions that run wild throughout all the movies into this one moment for me and every time i see it i'm like holy shit uh so that is my number one yeah i mean that that scene i you know i i I
0: talked about it before it's like this is this movie is sort of the downfall of michael as a as a human like he's not by the end of the movie when he's just not even speaking to Kay and just closing the door in her face. Yeah. He is not even close to the man that his father wanted him to be. Exactly. And we see juxtaposed so beautifully with the rise of Vito. And what does Vito do? You know, like you talked about in your your number 3 scene. He goes he takes care of business and he comes back and he's with his family. Right. He's with his wife and he's with his kids and And Michael just doesn't have that.
1: And yet, and yet there's a moment where Michael goes to his mother before she passes and he, he asks her if it's possible to lose your family. So I I don't, sometimes I, sometimes I just don't know where Michael's head's at. You know, I, I think it's because
0: he, he knows that's exactly what he's doing because I think his mother wants to see Vito in him and Vito's, I mean, we we talked about last week. Michael got Vito's brains, but he didn't get Vito's heart. He didn't get the, you know, he didn't get Vito's muscle like Sonny did. It, it, it's it's not at a balance like it should be. And I would say that you know, in this movie, he doesn't have quite as much to do. But you do see Hagen kind of show the qualities necessary to be the head of the family. Like right. he's he's Hagen's ruthless in this. In some ways, when he has to be, but he's also kind. When Michael has Fredo shot in the back of the head, and he has um, he has Hyman Roth shot in the airport, Hagen goes to Pentangeli and talks with him yeah. before he does anything. Yeah, you know, and, and, and we're gonna
1: come back to this scene because I have I have something to mention pretty pretty strongly about okay. that scene. But uh, it's okay. uh, it's it, it, it's it's yeah it's I think Tom is. You know, in the scene where Michael's... i am sorry—I'm cutting out your number one here—but just real quick, when when Michael's sitting with Tom earlier in the movie, and he says, "I kept things from you because I because I respect you and I love you." I don't know. I feel like it may be a cop out. I don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't know what that. I never. I never understood why Michael removed Tom as Consigliere in the first movie and continued to hurt Tom throughout the second movie. I don't. Still to this day, I don't understand it. Well, you could look at it as two. At, yeah, with from two directions. Uh, one.
0: He could just be, I want Tom to be the legitimate face. You know, he's, he's a lawyer. He is just going to be this one area of the family. That's the charitable way to look at it. Right. The uncharitable way to look at it is Tom is a threat to me and he's done nothing to justify me taking him out, but I need to remove him from power, get him as far away from that as possible. Wow, because he's because he's the only one that I I I think Michael looks at him as a peer and as an equal almost. Right. And if if Hagen comes down on a different side of something than him, does he want to have someone who he thinks is an equal disagreeing with him, as opposed to let me just remove him from the situation entirely? Because I mean, you you look at that in the scene later when he's like. Tom, you're going to Vegas, take your family, take your mistress, like Mm -hmm. go to Vegas, get away from me. So again, it really depends on how you're looking at it.
1: Right. So before
0: we get to my number one, I'm going to go through my honorable mentions. Okay. Okay. First honorable mention is the first communion. This is in uh, chronological order uh, within the movie. So the first communion party at the beginning of the movie, just because I have been to family parties where one of my family members had some hangers on <laughs> and I really felt like Pentangeli in that scene where I was like, who, who are all these people? Where's like the parties we had five years ago. I have been there. Then the dual scenes where Michael meets with Roth and Pentangeli, you know, where he, you know, the, the scene with Pentangeli, where he's, he has the, you know, keep your friends close, keep your enemies closer. Yep. And then he goes to Roth. and when Roth is in Miami, just, you know, watching football. And you're wondering, like, okay, where does Michael stand on this? Yeah, how is this going to play out?
1: The whole movie keeps you guessing. It yes. really does. Up, up yeah. until Pentangeli's uh, courtroom scene. But go ahead.
0: yeah, uh, then the uh, the New Year's Eve party in Cuba. You where Michael uh, and and Ross's plan just falls apart because of the rebels. Just excellent, and they you know where he grabs Fredo. was like I knew it was you. You broke my heart. The scene where Vito kills Finucci, which you went through. Pentangeli testifying. With, with
1: his brother showing up or potentially like, oh,
0: you know, uh, they asked me to say some stuff. I said Can some stuff.
1: Co- uh, so, okay, j- j- just real quick. We're going to yeah. spend a lot of time on this po- this episode, guys. If you're listening, yeah. well, I'm going to keep jumping in because there's so Get much to talk about. So, uh, Rick, I read that the big reason why Frank changed his mind when he saw his brother was not out of respect to his brother, but I read that Frank's children were under his brother's care and that it was a possibility that if he went against the family that under omerta his kids would be murdered
0: that's entirely possible again it's one of those things they don't necessarily answer uh in in the movie at least because you know is again you can look at it charitably towards michael or uncharitably towards michael did Pentangeli see his brother and was he reminded of the bonds of family and how he should never betray his you know his people or is it a threat or is it both Mm -hmm. you know i you can you can look at it either way and that's one of the great things about this movie is that there's plausible explanations for things in many different directions
1: and, and I love the moment a little bit later when, when Kay is like, "All we had to do was show his face, huh?" And Michael's like, "Yeah, nothing to do with me. It's between the brothers. The lying piece of shit he is." <laughs> is <laughs> but he? anyway?
0: Is he? Maybe there is something. Maybe I is mean, is yeah. I
1: mean, who knows? Who knows? But Mike, Michael, uh, he 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 controls the strings now. But go ahead. I'd like to hear the other ones.
0: <laughs> um, other, I'll mention. Pentangeli explains to Hagen how he's going to commit suicide, and yeah. you know, tries to take what he believes is an honorable way out—the only honorable way out that he has left.
1: Hey, sometimes they throw a party right before, too,
0: you know? Yeah. <laughs> sometimes they do. And, and Tom just, again, Hagen knows. Hagen can see this guy's serious. Next one, Michael stands by and watches Fredo killed and just has no emotion. And that's the moment you realize that Michael is a fucking empty shell of a human. That's a line that cannot be uncrossed. And... I think it weighs on him. You know, when we eventually have our Godfather part three episode, that's something that's going to weigh on Michael for the rest of his life. Yep. That's his, that's his big regret. And then the one you mentioned before, the final scene with all the brothers together. Mm -hmm. And uh, okay. I'm ready. Number one scene. Kay tells Michael that she is leaving him and has had an abortion. Wow. I notice that. Every one of my scenes is somebody explaining to Michael why they did what they did. <laughs> That's it. So yeah, it's Roth ex- Roth explaining why, you know, he's he's gonna go through with the deal. Fredo explaining to Michael why he unlocked the door, unlocked the gates and let uh, let Roth's men in, and Kay explaining why she had an abortion. Yeah, we hadn't mentioned it, but Michael believes that Kay had had a miscarriage. Do we think, by the way, maybe maybe this is this is you know something about Michael and Hagen's relationship? Do we think Hagen helped Kay set up the abortion because we see him not letting her out before? Hmm. Very interesting thought. Because we, I mean, we've talked about it in both of our last two episodes. Hagen can see the truth of people in the same way that Vito could. Yep. Right. He could tell what Michael was becoming. Yeah. And would he have allowed this? You know, would he have helped Kay with it? Did he know about it? So, I mean, that's, that's something to think about.
1: Yeah. And, and, and Tom, I mean, while this was happening, I'm pretty sure Tom was the Don and was in (laughs) charge of certain things. It would have happened when Michael was in Cuba. Exactly so wh- wh- while Tom was in charge it was under his thumb yeah so my, I'm surpri- I'm actually more surprised that Michael didn't blame Tom for it, or maybe he did and we didn't get to see it maybe so this is this is also the scene
0: where you see Michael loses control for the first time really in the movie yeah you know, even even when he realizes when when Fredo accidentally outs himself as the the one who betrayed him stays calm mm-hmm when he, when something goes wrong, when the whole deal in Cuba falls apart, stays calm. This is the thing that finally gets him to snap. Because Kay did something that he couldn't control. She's the only one that he cannot control. And he loses it. He grabs the water and he's shaking. Diane Keaton has a great scene here where she's... Doesn't have as much to do in this one as she did in part one, but when she gets the opportunity, she takes it. Yeah. But I just love you see Michaels and Pacino's just rage boil underneath them. And you have to wonder is it the fact that she got the abortion that got him upset? And maybe it is to an extent. Or is it the fact that she did something that he didn't approve of? what is making him more upset there is right. you know she's not under his thumb right and eventually like he hits her something just try to imagine vito hitting his his wife couldn't right. do it could yeah. could not in a thousand years imagine that he would never right you know or but he, michael has just failed as as much success as he has had keeping the crime family together. Like we said, his, his blood family, his, you know, his family through marriage, his children, he's lost them. Yeah. He,
1: he's, he's, especially at this point, he's a lost person. Yeah. All right. Those are our, we did your number one, right? We did. Yeah. I mean, I have some honorable mentions too, but okay. we, we, we don't have to go ahead and do that. One thing I do want to mention though is anything I, I didn't mention. We didn't I, I, w- talk about? Yeah. yeah. I will say, um, one scene I did mention, uh, I didn't, uh, neither of us mentioned, is uh, when Vito kills Don Ciccio, who killed yeah. all of his family, and he goes back for revenge, he's got the mustache, and he's got the swelling of the cheeks a little bit, and it look yeah. like Marlon Brando's Vito, and he goes and he stabs him in the stomach and just drags the knife all the way up, yeah. brutal, brutal scene, and he just gets his revenge right there and then, wow. Wow, what a way to get revenge. And then the other one that I uh, that hasn't been mentioned. And this was the first one I wrote down because I was watching it obviously the movie chronologically. Yeah. And uh it's when Vito gets let go from his job and uh the the I guess Jenko's father tries to give him a big box of food and Vito's too proud to take the food. And he goes home and he sits there and he puts a pear on the table. And uh and the wife goes, "Oh, what a what a nice pear." And he sits down and he gives her a kiss. It's very simple yeah. and it's very like back then like that was like bringing a pear home was like a big a big like oh that was that's really nice of you nowadays like, what about the fuck is that I mean, a pear we brought a pear home what the hell's wrong with you but back then it was just simpler times and i just i liked i don't know i mean if if
0: my wife brought me a piece of fruit i be like oh you know you know, you know what you know i mean She brought yeah. me like a mango it's like, no, oh, no. <laughs> a nice mango <laughs>
1: <laughs> well i i guess the you know the the big part for me was how proud veto was as a person and how um you know, even me, like somebody like me, if I if I had lost my job and somebody brought me a big box of food, I'd be like, Thank you so much. Yeah. I'd take it and run home and I'd eat it. But Vito, he's just he's a very respectable and proud man, and I really liked that scene a lot. So that was my other honorable mention. Yep.
0: Yeah. Okay. So those are our favorite parts of the movie. And this was tough. I mean, I get, it was, honestly it wasn't so tough for me, but there's not a lot to dislike about this movie. Right. But is there something that strikes you as you wish they wanted would have done it a little bit differently. Something doesn't sit with you. Right. What's, uh,
1: what's your least favorite aspect of this movie? So I wouldn't say it's, it's again, we're, I'm nitpicking here, but I wouldn't say, I can't just say, Oh, this is my least. I guess it's the part of the movie where I find it. Is this believable? Is is this a real thing? I mean, is this, and basically it's the scene where Tom visits Frank Pantangeli in the, the, the his little prison home. And I just found it a little hard to believe that, number one, Michael knew where Frank was hiding, although I'm sure Michael has his connection, so I guess it makes sense that Michael did find out, but it just seemed like, all right, he found out where Frank was hiding, and then number two, that the the protection, the FBI, whoever was in charge, allowed a member a brother of Michael Colleone to visit Frank Pantangeli at his home and have a conversation with them outside. It just seemed like really, you're really going to allow this. It just seemed a little unbelievable to me. Let me, uh, please, let, please. Me throw, let me throw something out there that, that makes
0: sense. As to please how do. Would be. Please do. So after, the, after the, after testifying, Pantangeli was going to be put on trial for perjury, right? He had to have hired a lawyer. He yep. hires Hagen, so now they gotta let him talk.
1: All right, that that that's that's good. That's good. Uh, that that fixes that whole problem, basically. I yep. just, I mean, I hadn't even thought of it. So that that I mean, if that's the case, then yeah, that that's all solved. Yeah. So my
0: least favorite part. I really wish they could have gotten Brando to be in the very last scene. He was supposed to be there. I really wish he would have been there, because I. I would have liked to have seen one more interaction with the whole family there. Yeah. And you know, yeah. I kind of wish Clemenza could have been that. As I was well going to say. His actor yeah, yeah. Well, because his, you, you know, the story with that, right? Yeah. That Patanjali was supposed to be Clemenza, but right. they like kept dicking the actor around. He had lost a bunch of weight for one role and then put it back on. And they're like, no, we're going to not use you. And then he lost the weight. And they're like, actually, we're going to lose you again. And he's like, all right, fuck this. I'm done can't do that
1: again and 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 a really odd moment in the movie that i always i had a, i had a research i did my research i still couldn't find an answer to this even in the uh, godfather wiki was that earlier in the movie when frank pantangeli's talking to fredo and fredo says uh, they're talking about clemenza and how he died and and uh do uh what's his name his, his right hand man frank pantangeli uh uh um, Dun- no I was the guy yeah anyway if you know what we're talking yeah, about yeah, yeah. um uh, he, he says that was no heart attack. Uh, what are they talking about? Did Clemenza get whacked or something? I, I'm trying to figure out what the hell they're talking about. He is – what he is saying – Cheech.
0: Yeah. Chi. What Yeah. What he is saying is that he thinks the, the Rosado brothers had him killed. Whether or not he did is very much up for debate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Willie Cheechy. Willie Chichi. Chichi. Yeah. Whether or not they they had him killed again, it's one of those things where, you know, if they did, Pentangeli is 100% justified in flying off the handle when Michael tells him to sit back and wait. You know, right. They they killed Clemenza. Remember the scene with, you know, Michael and Clemenza in part 1. The two scenes they really have together where, you know, he's teaching him to 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 shoot or you know, teaching him to you know what to do with the the, the gun when he after he Kills um, McCluskey and Solozo and yeah, you know, when he's like, Oh, you gotta, you gotta teach him how to make sauce, that's a very close relationship that those right. two had. Yeah. So the fact that Michael can potentially disregard that, eventually he checks in on it, but it kind of shows you where Michael's head is at right. that point. But if he just had a, had a heart attack, then like uh, Pantangeli is off the rails for no reason and he's crazy and he's losing. Right, right. So, really, it's you know, again, you have to make up your own mind what happened there.
1: Yeah, and then and and, and and just before we move on, because there's so much to talk about, the Frank Pantangeli uh, story in this movie is quite interesting and can be very confusing to somebody who's viewing it for the first time. And that is basically that Frank at first thinks that Colnion, Michael Colleone thinks that he had tried to have him whacked, which he did not. Michael says, no, I think Hyman Roth did. It goes and, and says, I want things not to be disturbed. I want peace with the Rosado brothers. Then the Rosado brothers meet with Frank, try to kill Frank Pantangeli. They say Michael Colion says hello. They throw that in there to cause confusion. to think that Frank's being betrayed right before he dies. He survives. Frank thinks that Michael Colleone has it in for him, goes to court. It's quite a it's quite a roller coaster. And the Rosado brothers did that
0: just to be dicks.
1: Yeah. And actually, Danny Aiello himself, who plays that small part, threw that line in there randomly and Coppola liked it.
0: Yeah, because like they they did it just to be absolute dicks. There's no reason like he's going to be dead in like a minute. And it's just like, I just want you to be a little bit more miserable
1: when you die. Yeah. Oh, that's oh, it. For sure. I it, hate you. It's like the, uh, it's like the old like crusade stories of like when I forget who specifically it was, but I think that, uh, one religion shot arrows into another religious people with, with like dipped in like pig skin or pig blood. So that way, uh, they, they, they know infected, that you yeah. get infected or right before they died, they'd think they were going to hell. Cause they had this like dirty pig stuff in them and they, yeah. to to it's like really effed up the Rosado brothers. Like just before you die, we just want to let you know you're being betrayed, even though you're not. Yeah. <laughs> So let's go to medals,
0: and this, this is another one where you could make the case for a lot of people. Yeah. So who is your uh, who is your bronze medal winner? You
1: gotta, you gotta get you gotta fit Francis Ford Copeland in there um, again because uh, he had. I mean, he was definitely more relaxed. I think during the making of this because he knew that he kept his job in the first one, which was great. He did a great job. Everyone knew he did a great job, and but he had the big, you know, issue of creating a new story because uh michael's future was not in the original book only the past veto stuff was and so he had to create this whole new thing and then i know that when they tested this the scenes were too frequent they would go back and forth between veto and michael too frequently and so they had to go back and he had to figure out a way to make it so that it's it's more you know easy to watch and everything i think he just he really just made another masterpiece and uh he he deserves he deserves all the um the merits he gets for this and uh he's my bronze.
0: Yeah, no, can't argue with that too much. Definitely for me an honorable mention because I just couldn't couldn't have the three that I had not get a medal. So my bronze medal goes to Bobby Money himself, Robert De Niro.
1: Bobby Money, I love it.
0: Bobby Money, yep. He, you see him take Vito from this skinny kid to a great man that we mm-hmm. see at the beginning of part one. And just how he reacts to things.
1: It's it's so tough to step into the shoes of Marlon Brando. Yeah, and, and, and we'll find out later when I did my recasting, and you'll all love my recasting, I'm sure, is that – Holy shit. How do you find somebody who can do this? Yeah. besides De Niro. I mean, incredible. The fact that I
0: mean, the fact that it's just like a towering figure like Brando. We talked about last week how there were, you know, the actors in the other one who were just intimidated by him. And De Niro is just like, yeah, I'll just go be that character. And the fact that he wins an Oscar, which I think is the first time that uh, two actors won an Oscar playing the same character.
1: First or only? I think it might be only.
0: Uh, no. There was one more and it was very recent and it only is kind of the same character. Do you okay. know who it is? I feel like I may have read this at some point, but I can't remember right now. That would be Heath Ledger and Joaquin Phoenix as a Joker. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, which is kind of the same character. Right. Yeah. yeah that makes sense. Uh, but yeah. So Bobby Money gets my, uh, my bronze medal. Cause he's just excellent. And he's there's, I don't think there's anyone else at that time that, that could have, done justice to the role in the way that he did read but uh silver medal who do you have
1: all right i cheated of course you did i have a tie mm-hmm. here and it was a last minute change and my tie goes to al pacino and john kazell and it was a last-minute thing that I did. I originally did not have John Cazale in my top three, but the the more and more I thought about it, the more I said he needs to be in here. I think he did such an amazing job. Um, his moments are scarce, but they're but they're great. And every moment, every scene he's in, he just uh, he he's he's very watchable and just makes you want to know what he does next. Um, he does a great job as Fredo. Al Pacino, he's brilliant in this movie he really uh takes a turn his character takes a big big turn and uh it's weird because i think maybe the first 15 20 times i've seen this movie i'm I'm rooting for michael Colleone because he's the he's the protagonist right but he's kind of the antagonist and yeah. I, I mean hyman roth is the antagonist to michael's protagonist but it's it's one of those movies where you know there's a lot of bad people in it but pacino is um he has a lot of great moments in this one, and uh, like you said at the very end, he is one lonely person. And in that very very last scene in the movie, where he they go back in time. He's sitting at the table. He enlisted in the army. Uh, it's a whole different Michael again, you know. And it's 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 just he's just a, this is an amazing amazing job. So they they get they get a tie at second place for me.
0: Yeah, I uh, so let's just go with my next two because uh, my silver is John Cazale. Poor Fredo. He he yeah. just he just wanted. One thing for himself, he grew up in a house with Sonny, who was just so overbearing with Michael, who's this fucking prodigy with uh, with with um, Hagen, who is yeah, really like got more time with his father than he did, even though he's not blood. The poor guy yeah. is just he's not cut out for this, but he just wants it so bad. And he fucks up.
1: What the hell do you think he? Do? What, what, what did he tell Johnny Ola? Like, what the hell? What, what details?
0: He unlocked. So what he did is he made sure the gates were unlocked.
1: But what, I mean, uh, what, what do you? Mean? Well, how would he not know that was a, that was going to be a hit? He's
0: an idiot. I, like Fredo's dumb. <laughs> like it's he's he says like you know I'm I'm not stupid like everyone. He is stupid like everyone thinks. He's a moron. And he – like that's eventually I think why why Michael has him killed because I don't think Fredo would ever consciously betray the family again. But he's probably going to fuck up.
1: Right, right. I mean the gates – are. I mean – all right. OK. All right. OK. He lets him in. He lets him – oh, and he made sure uh, the,
0: the blinds were open. Right. Which, I, again, why do you – like – what do you think is going to happen? Why do you think they need to see
1: into his room? It's – yeah. You have to be really dumb to, to dumb. not figure that out. He's stupid. He's but a, again, st- again, Rick, he was banging cocktail Rick, just two at a time. No one can get a drink. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. He's stupid. He's dumb, but he, he he just wanted something for himself. But anyway, like enough about the character. Kazale, the actor – yeah. He's in Godfather 2 this year. He's also in The Conversation this year. Yes. Which is another fucking brilliant masterpiece. And he's great in it. I can't wait to go back and watch that one. Oh, it's fantastic. And I'll just go next because my gold is one of your silvers as well as Al Pacino. And I mm-hmm. really think this is – you could stack this up against just about any performance in the history of movies. And it would compare pretty favorably. Mm-hmm. The, the way he moves – the way his eyes are, the the way he conveys anger and betrayal is incredible. I think it's the crown jewel in Al Pacino's career, this movie. He's in, in a in a career full of excellent performances. <clears throat> he this is just unbelievable. He's so good. Yeah. Who is your goal?
1: Uh, I gotta give my goal to Robert De Niro for this one. I, I think that this is one of, and I will say this again later on, but I might as well say it now. This to recast this was the most difficult thing I've ever had to do in this show thus far. In the greatest movie podcast. I just I, it was so difficult for me to recast this, it was just unblessed. I said, why couldn't it just be Robert De Niro again being 30, 30 years old right now? Yeah. I did find someone and we'll get to it. But uh, De Niro here. He has to film Brando's shoes. I mean, no one fills Brando's shoes. And De Niro fills them. And he does a great job. And he like you said about Pacino, the way he uh for me, I, I I agree with everything you said about Pacino, but for me, for De Niro, the way he moves, the way he puts his fingers up to his cheek, the way he does the same thing that he he makes you believe that this is young Brando in this. And uh I love, I mean, he speaks fluent Sicilian in this movie. I love his relationships with Jenko. I love the things that he says, the way his performance is. Jenko says, is it my girl a beauty? Yeah, she is. But for me, it's only my wife and kid. I just love the way he, he does things. And I love the way he throws some of the English every once in a while. I take everything. I, I just think that it's a powerhouse performance and well-deserved for the accolades that he he gets for this. But he's he's my gold on this one. It's almost like De Niro and Pacino are really good <laughs> actors.
0: <I play> this. <laughs> It, it, it crossed my mind a few times. Fucking crazy. Yeah. Uh, so let's get to it. And uh, last week, my one of my favorite segments we've ever done uh, on the show is your recasting The Godfather. Uh, and we're gonna—you'd you, mentioned you have some Godfather Part Two roles. I recast two uh, for this movie. If if it would be made today, let's so hear it. Let's let's see if I uh, perhaps maybe stepped on some of your toes. Let's see. I hope you didn't, because I'm excited about mine. Okay, so I cast the roles of young Vito and of hyman roth so i only did two okay okay hyman roth dustin hoffman <laughs> okay all right very interesting he's, he's i mean if he's transitioned into like in his later years more you know comedic roles but i'd love to see him get another dramatic powerhouse role right before he stops making movies, if, if he hasn't stopped making movies already,
1: makes sense. But he's he's an
0: excellent actor. We've talked about Hook on the show. I mean, we've we talked about The Graduate in our in our 500 is a Summer episode extensively. He's been in such great stuff, Marathon Man. But yeah, I mean, Dustin Hoffman, I think he'd be great. I can I can see him hanging out on a recliner in his fucking wife beater and you know underwear and just being like, ah, oh, the game. Young Vito. Okay, this is a guy who. I believe you have brought up before in recasting. Okay. Sure. Now I'm nervous. Now I'm nervous. I think, I, I think this might be it. I think this might be the guy. This is a guy who. Let me ask re- you a question.
1: Yeah. Is he, is he fearless? Is he fearless? Is he a fearless actor in your opinion? Like a guy who could at his age right ways, now, in I some think, ways, in some okay. ways
0: I would, he's done stuff. I think in the past that would have, destroyed the career of other people and he's come back out of it just because he's so skilled and he's got a huge movie coming up i believe later this year and that is robert pattinson
1: okay actually did not even think of robert pattinson for this i just i just see him
0: in the kind of the same way the physicality that a young de niro has he's like like kind of lanky a little bit and i could just see him kind of walking on those rooftops Okay, this this makes things even more exciting. I'm excited to see, okay. to see. Okay, all right. So that's 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 my recasting, Derek. Let's follow up in the same way last week. Your recasting was your godfather of recasting. Can you follow it up with your godfather too of recasting?
1: If anything, this will at least be my godfather too. <laughs> if you okay. get my drift. <laughs> okay. If you catch my drift. All right. So I recasted. Let's see ten. Ten rolls. Oh my god. Ten goodness. rolls. Okay. Here we here we go. I'll try to do them in order by smallest. Okay. <laughs> so let's start with a young Tessio. I went with the actor Robert Lloyd. Uh, Robert Lord Taylor. Yeah, he yeah, plays him in, in
0: Gotham. In Gotham. In, like, yeah,
1: yeah. Yep. I picture him. and says I think he has the face of a Tessio. It's sort of well, young. Well, this is,
0: who did you cast as Tessio last week? Christopher Lloyd. So do we think Robin Lord Taylor is gonna age into Christopher Lloyd
1: yeah you know <laughs> I think he has a good face and I was thinking I was also looking at the movie Tessio and trying to see some some resemblance yeah. of things like that so I went with that uh, so young Tessio. the next I'm gonna jump, jump around from he's this a great movie. actor by the way Robin Lord Taylor
0: penguin and Gotham is I, I feel like that's a really underrated show. I think the first season's not good, and then it just, like, gets really good in later seasons. Right, right. And he's he's a, he's a always been a great part of it, or he was always a great part of it, so yeah. Gotcha. Good, good All choice right. there. All right,
1: so the next one here, this is kind of an odd choice, but I, I, I think I kind of want to see it, is Jenko. I picked the actor Ezra Miller. Yeah. For Jenko. I thought he'd be uh, kind of colorful, because Jenko's, like, he's part of it, but he's sort of, like... Still, the, still the guy in the scally cap, which is Buddy, you know. And yeah. I feel like Ezra Miller could pull off something like that. I think he's a talented actor. Uh, let's move on to Al Neri. I went with somebody who I believe could have been a very, very good Fredo if he was younger. But I think for Al Neri, I picked Robert Carlyle, and yes. uh, he yeah. is the. If people don't know who he is, he's the villain in The World Is Not Enough. He plays skin in some show. Um, which time. time? He's yep. in uh, Twenty Eight Weeks Later. He's Yep, yeah. So he would be my Almery. Okay. Senator Pat Geary. A character. Let's we, take a minute. We have not discussed Pat Geary. Well, all. we have not discussed Pat Geary. And then that's another Pat, scene that I'm surprised Pat. none of us mentioned.
0: Well, he, I mean, I had the, the honorable mention in the um the, the first communion party,
1: but what a fucking scumbag. Yeah, and uh this the setup, the setup of 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 him in the brothel. He's he's a yeah, he's he's like a
0: racist. He's cheats on his wife constantly. Like, he can't stop trying to hook up with these these women. Like, he's... I, des- I, despi-
1: I despise you you and your whole fucking family.
0: Yeah, and then <laughs> he's in Cuba. He's like, I'm gonna get me a
1: lady down. <laughs> One of those red-headed whatever he says. Yeah. <laughs> what, what a, a piece of shit. All right. I went with somebody who I think could be a real great piece of shit, yeah. uh, and this is kind of a strange choice, maybe, but I thought of him, and I said, yeah, uh, Aaron Eckhart. Yeah, yes, uh, yeah. Especially like now, he's getting a little bit older. I feel like he could fill the role really well, and he's got kind of a face I want to punch sometimes. So Aaron Eckhart gets that role. Don Fonucci. This was <laughs> this was difficult, uh, but again, you know, I'm going with actors that are decently well known. I think people know that at this point. But I went yeah. with Javier Bardem uh, yeah. here. I thought maybe it'd be interesting to see him, uh, especially after seeing his performances, uh, Raul Silva and James Bond, uh, the blonde-headed villain, and of course, No Country for Old Men. He's, he can be sinister, and he's a very, very good actor. Uh, let's move on to Johnny Ola. Okay, Rick, this starts a new thing that I'm doing here. Okay. I'm giving you the option to choose out of two actors that I picked. Okay. So this is the only, the second time, I'm, I'm doing this one other time later on in the casting, but this is... I chose these two actors. I can't decide. Either Christopher Eccleston. Yeah. Do you know who that is? Yeah, yeah, he's one of the. He's the Doctor Who. He was. Yep. Uh, he was also in uh, yeah. Thor: the Dark World. Yeah, yeah, Or unrecognizable as a makeup. Right, movie. right. Yeah. Or Jonathan Banks from Breaking Bad. Mm. <sighs> and, and I, think I, we, I think we get, I think we get to get Jonathan Banks in there. And That's, I was thinking Banks yeah. might even be good for uh, Michael Colleone's bodyguard too. Yeah, Banks, you could, Banks is a guy who should be
0: in this movie. I don't, honestly, I think for the role, I think Christopher Eccleston is 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 probably the guy of, of those two, but you got to get Jonathan e- Banks
1: in there. He, he belongs e- in there. E- Eccleston's a little bit more gangly and and, and yeah. weedy looking, kind of like Johnny. I mean, again, I would have picked Dominic Chianese again, Uncle Junior. I would have picked John, him yeah. for Johnny Oler again, but uh, Jonathan Banks, I don't know. He could be the, uh, the, the, the body guy, but okay, let's move on. Young Clemenza. I'm really excited about this one. Okay, all right paul dano yeah uh i think you give paul dano uh, a fat suit you let him act you let him learn italian i think it's gonna be fantastic uh i feel like the, paul dano would be a good fredo he, i think i mean i think he's one of those actors that could do a lot of yeah things. Um, but i could but, i could
0: see him like i could see him like trying to weasel out of like i
1: i'm smart yeah I'm, like, for sure. Oh, he would do, he, he would do the great, he does great meltdown scenes. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, Paul Dano for this one. Uh, Hyman Roth. Here's the other one you get to choose from. Okay. Woo, All baby. Right. All, right. All right. So I will say one of the actors I chose is playing a role that this character is based on Hyman Roth. Hyman Roth is based on Myolansky. Okay. And Harvey Keitel is playing him okay. very shortly. So I picked Harvey Keitel for my Hyman Roth or the better choice that I think we should go with, and that is Christoph Waltz. Yes. Yeah, oh yeah, Waltz. (laughs) Yeah, come on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, (laughs) it's just gonna be incredible. Uh, And and, again, I'm I'm thinking of my Jake Gyllenhaal playing off of Christoph Waltz because I'm still picking my original cast from the first to be in this movie, AKA Giovanna Ribisi, Fredo, things like that. Okay, so let's see, I got two left. Frank Pantangeli. I'm so excited about this one.
0: You ready for this? Let's. So, by the way, I I do have to, because you brought up Christoph Waltz, legally, and now I have to say, that's a bingo, Ringo. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) That's
1: a Ringo, yeah, yeah. How can we forget? Uh, All right, ready for this. Frank Pantangeli. Burt Young as Frank Pantangeli. I like it. Yeah, I do. I see it. Especially, you know, he's just kind of a nutcase, you know? Yeah, and I, yeah. I, I don't know if you remember this, the episode, Another Toothpick and The Sopranos, where he plays Bobby Bacala's father, who has the coughing fit throughout the entire episode and then ends up dying after he kills him. It, what a cameo. Just to be just amazing, amazing. All right, here we go. Young Vito, this is what it's all about. This okay. is what it's all about, Rick. I, this was so difficult. Let I spent- me, let's
0: walk, walk me through your process here. What were you considering? What, what do okay. you think
1: what I, I, do, what I even think said, this person needs to bring to the role? And okay, remind well, us, this person is going to grow up into Daniel Day-Lewis, correct? Yep, correct. And that, that was a big thing. So I needed somebody who had a very thin face to me, a thin frame, um, somebody who I think is absolutely a fearless actor. I've heard him in interviews, and he is somebody who is so fucking serious about acting i said how can he not take a role like this he to me might be a young denaro as to how good he is as an actor and how focused he is at first i was going okay early 30s because Niro was 31 and i said you know what no i don't care i think if you're if you're younger than 40 years old you can pull off this role in my yeah. opinion and my choice for this role of young vito coleon is adam driver yeah and Rick, yeah. it took me it was probably like four days to figure this out, and it was on my mind constantly. And then I went through a I went through a list on IMDb of all the a quote unquote top actors, and he was like yeah. number two oh seven. And I said, "Holy shit, uh, I think he looks maybe like you know, Daniel Lewis in a lot of ways. Young, he's got the skinny face, he got the little mustache. He could use put the put the cotton balls in his mouth for the later scenes. I think Driver would absolutely hit a grand slam." Yeah. No, that's that's a great choice. That is very
0: interesting, and I mean the the, the great thing about Adam Driver is is he is in uh, the best Star Wars movie, which is the Last Jedi. So,
1: oh, <laughs> Rick, right. well. you're a so, funny guy. You're a funny guy, Rick.
0: So, I'm funny?
1: How, how am I funny? I can't wait till we get to that one. I'm, because I'm, you, you, how am you, I funny? You, you have a hard on for that movie.
0: I yeah, that's gonna be. A great episode. I can't wait for that one. I'm, I've got my fucking fist tapes. I'm ready to fight about
1: that one. I'm but anyway, okay. but anyway, but anyway. So uh, let me ask great you recasting. this. recast. Maybe not as good as my first, but I, I think it was, I think I did a decent job. Decent. It was, it was good. It was, I mean, you recast 10 roles.
0: I think you had some great choices in there. But let us know what you guys think. If you have any recasting for The Godfather, maybe I'll put this out on social media get a little uh, get a little question going who would you cast in the godfather and the godfather 2 find us again with the greatest movie of all time podcast on facebook at great movie cast on twitter instagram at rick and Rec. send us an email greatest movie pod at gmail.com whatever way you get in touch with us we may you know last uh, last week or a couple weeks ago i should say we read an email on the air we can do that again that's no problem um and We'd love to hear from you. Yes. So no Twitter follow of the week this week because there's just not many official Godfather accounts out there. Couldn't really find anyone. But why don't why don't we just follow let's just follow me at Rick Barrasso? That's our Twitter follow of the week. Done. Done. <laughs> follow me, my my personal account. So moving on to uh to thing this movie does best. And I have it as it is the best sequel. It's, I mean, in, in the sense where it just keeps the level, the high quality of the original. You got to consider this, if not the best, one of the best
1: sequels of all time. All right. Uh, my answer uh, for better than anything else is, is this is the greatest sequel of all time.
0: Could very well be. Yeah. Could very well be. So let's look now. The Oscars. These the ceremony took place in 1975 and godfather 2 was unsurprisingly a big winner this year uh wins best picture best director best supporting actor adapted screenplay original score best art direction it's nominated for best actor can't wait to get to that one best supporting actress and costume design so best let's go through the major categories best picture it wins but there are, honestly, there are other movies where I'd listen to a case for because this year was stacked. The other nominees were Chinatown, Masterpiece. The Conversation, Masterpiece. Lenny, haven't seen it. And The Towering Inferno, which is a weird nomination. <laughs> Godfather Part Two, one of the great movies of all time. Chinatown, one of the great movies of all time. The Conversation, one of the great movies of all time, all in the same year can't go wrong with any of them in my opinion so i'm not going to argue godfather 2 shouldn't have won
1: Your yeah. Thoughts? yeah i mean it's, it's i mean come on i mean i it's the godfather part two i mean the, the only other movie in my opinion that could have knocked this one out is the godfather so yeah. <laughs> there's my answer
0: okay best director coppola wins finally other nominees, Scumbag Roman Polanski for Chinatown, <laughs> Francois Truffaut for Day for Night. Truffaut, French New Wave director, has made some great movies. I've not seen this one. Bob Fosse for Lenny, John Cassavetes for A Woman Under the Influence. It, for oh, me oh, it's,
1: Bob Fosse, didn't we hear that Bob, name Yeah, he won,
0: he won Best Director of the Year. Godfather was nominated. Wow, good, yeah. good,
1: uh, good string of years for that guy.
0: Fosse, yeah, he's a well-thought-of director. Uh, I've not seen Lenny. Uh, it's it's a movie about Lenny Bruce with Dustin Hoffman, one of my guys, as mm-hmm. uh, as Lenny Bruce. So I mean, I definitely definitely want to check that out at some point. But yeah, I mean, uh, Coppola for this. I'm not I'm not gonna if someone says Polanski, I'm not gonna argue. But I'd say Coppola. Yeah, Coppola for me. All right, let's skip Best Actor. Let's leave Best Actor for last. I want to
1: get to that one now. I, I, that- I'm I'm hoping that when you do go over that, that you act a lot like Fredo in his final scene. Well, not final scene, but I, I want to see. I want to see Rick open up. We'll we'll get there. Okay. So, best actress. Is there anyone we want to consider
0: best actress? No. I get, no. Okay. No. So, are we going to consider Diane Keaton as actress or supporting?
1: I mean, she. If, if anything, she's going to be in supporting because okay. I, I, I okay. don't even. I, I mean, yeah. So we'll get there. We'll
0: get yeah. there. We'll get there. Best supporting actor. De Niro wins, for a veto. Yep last week we talked about as there were three actors from the godfather nominated and best supporting actor has that ever happened other than that it happened this year because lee strasberg is nominated for hyman roth michael gazo michael I'm, gazo I'm assuming, was frank yeah. cotangeli yeah other nominees jeff ridges for thunderbolt and lightfoot and fred astaire for the towering inferno <laughs> how the towering inferno got these nominations I'm do you so know what pro- that is do you know what you know what the towering inferno is i, I don't think i've heard the name i don't really know what it's about it's an ensemble cast about a tower that catches on fire and the people are trying to escape. Okay. It's like a disaster movie. It's it's like it, it's like that movie like The Rock had a similar movie, skyscraper I think it was called. Right. Like like it, basically that's what it is. There's just a right, bunch right. of celebrities in it. Bizarre. But yeah,
1: I mean I think I think De Niro is the right winner here. Yeah, for sure. I, I'm actually surprised how many nominations that Jeff Bridges had in his lifetime. He's been he's, he's had definitely a lot. Um, but yeah, De Niro for me gets gets this for sure. Yeah, supporting actor, or supporting actress. Excuse me. Our our old
0: friend Ingrid Bergman wins for Murder on the Orient Express. Talia Shire is nominated for playing Connie. Diane Ladd for Alice Doesn't Live Here Anymore. Valentina Cortez Cortesi for Day for Night. Night. Nice Italian name there. Would have fit right in with the cast of Godfather and this one. If you, I, if you've seen this movie, the fact that this actress got nominated for playing this role for best supporting actress is shocking in a great way. And that is Madeline Kahn. I
1: knew you were gonna say that, I, I, dude. For, I was like, "Oh my god!" For blazing saddles, I, dude. Lily out of Starr. out of out of any movie in history, out of any performance, I for some reason go. I feel like it's Madeline Kahn <laughs> in my brain. <laughs> that is incredible. <laughs> I'm going Madeline Kahn all the way.
0: I mean, she's great. I've not seen this version of *Murder on the Orient Express*. Ingrid Bergman, obviously great, but. I mean, Talia Shire is nominated.
1: It's surprising! Backstreet. She's in frigging two scenes in the whole movie. She's great in
0: both scenes. She's oh, great for in sure, both for scenes. For sure. But like, if she's in there, then Diane Keaton should be in there, right?
1: Yeah, I'd say so. I'd say so. And I mean, I, I'm assuming the 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 Academy was thinking of her more in the Best Actress situation, but that could be not, not nominated.
0: That, that could be. But she, I would I yeah. would say I mean yeah let's let's consider her supporting. And let's take out Valentina Cortese. Okay. Uh, so we get uh, two Godfathers. We get Madeline Kahn. We get Ingrid Bergman. We get Diane Lab. All right. Best Actor. I'm not going to tell you the winner yet. I'm not going to Do you. know? Do you know who won this year? I do not. Okay. So let's go through the nominees.
1: Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Yeah. Was it Al Pacino? It was not. Okay, because I, I thought Dog Day Afternoon was around this time. So I was no, okay. no,
0: no, 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 we'll get to it. Okay. The other nominees. So Al Pacino is nominated for playing Michael. The other nominees: Albert Finney for Murder on the Orient Express. Albert Finney, great actor. Dustin Hoffman as Lenny Bruce and Lenny. I'm sure it was great. Haven't seen it. Dustin Hoffman, we've talked about a little bit earlier. Jack Nicholson in Chinatown as J.J. Gettys, Jake Geddes. Incredible. If there was gonna be a performance that could challenge Pacino as Michael in this, it was probably that one. I gotta see this movie. Should <laughs> you haven't seen Chinatown? I've never seen it. Do you know what it's what it is? No, I don't. Oh, check it out. Okay, check it out. Jack Nicholson, Faye Dunaway. It's it's incredible. Okay, the winner of this year. So you you look at it, you get three young Hollywood heavyweights. You get Albert Finney, British. You know, classically trained actor. The winner of Best Actor for this year was Art Carney. Who?
1: You know, you ever see The Honeymooners? Uh, not really. I know about it, and I know I've seen the clips, but he was the
0: gangly sidekick on The Honeymooners, and he was in a movie called Harry and Tonto. (laughs) <laughs> and he won best actor over Al Pacino, Dustin Hoffman, Jack Nicholson, and Albert Finney. Wow. <laughs> Jesus. What the fuck happened here? Maybe he had ties to the mob. Maybe. I like like shocking. Yeah. Shocking that, that Art Carney won a best actor Oscar. Over two of the great film performances of of all time. I'm not gonna uh, lie,
1: I'm not gonna lie. I thought you were gonna see Art Garfunkel, and I was like, I didn't know that he acted.
0: <laughs> Hello, darkness, my old friend, indeed. Uh, Art Garfunkel is probably better than <laughs> fucking Art Carney. It, imagine, if you will, like think of like the the best working actors today. Just whatever you're, you know, three pick three of the best working actors today, and like they're they're up against. Like, they're they're all nominated for for Best Actor, and, like, Kramer wins. Like, like Michael (laughs) Richards, that's the equivalent. Like, Michael Richards is incredible in this movie, but he's like, well, did he... Fucking, he beat
1: Daniel Day-Lewis, and he beat, like, whoever is... like Michael Richards beat Daniel Day-Lewis, Leonardo DiCaprio, Sean Penn, (laughs) and... uh... Yeah, and just like, pick yeah, wh- whoever, like just pick a random, like a-
0: a- assortment of great actors, yeah, fucking, you know, Denzel Washington, Michael, B. whoever, like th- th- that's what the equivalent of this is. It's baffling, but fucking, yeah. C- uh, Pacino, either Pacino or Nicholson should have won. I-, I go Pacino, but you could, you could convince me of Nicholson.
1: Anyway. Yeah. I mean, from what I've seen, I got to go Pacino, but that's me. Yeah. So it's time
0: Derek it's time for the most important part of the podcast are you ready for me to put 30 seconds on the clock let's do it and you to tell me why the godfather part two is the greatest movie of
1: all time three two one this is the greatest sequel of all time. It is better than all the sequels you know about. Go watch it. You'll find out for yourself. This is so dramatic. It has so, the, the amount of good acting uh, roles in this, or uh, the, the amount of great acting in this is fan- just fantastic. Going from the past to the future is incredible. Pacino and De Niro for the first time in a movie together, they have no scenes that they share. This is amazing. A plus, 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 plus. That is time. Well done, Derek. Well, folks. Maybe you agree
0: with Derek. Maybe you agree that this is the greatest movie of all time. Maybe you think Godfather Part 1 is. You know, maybe you think
1: one of our previous episodes is. I'd like to find out what Rick thinks, but I have a funny feeling we're not going to find out for quite a while. I'm keeping that one
0: close to the vest. Okay. Because... As we know, so this is episode number thirty-two, I think. And once we do 50, we're looking back and we're ranking the movies. Oh yeah. Oh yes. And I I don't I don't even know if it's my list is finalized up to the ones we've done yet. So we're gonna keep an eye on that. But before we get there, we have some more work to do. Because next week is week two of sequel month. Oh, yeah. And that means we're going to see our good friend. We're checking in. Technically, it's a prequel. But we're checking in with our good friend, Dr. Jones, with Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. And indeed, we are getting there with Indy. We're going to India with Indy. (laughs) Yes. And I can't wait to record that episode. I have a feeling that's going to be an interesting one. I agree. So join us next week for that. And after that, we'll continue sequel month. We've got Back to the Future Part 2 going to 2015, the futuristic year, with special guest Lucas Lamont. And then we're going back to Middle Earth with Joe Boynton for Lord of the Rings. The two towers. Yes. What a month we have coming up. We get guests. And then June is going to be a very special month as well. We'll get to that soon as well. So this has been the Godfather part two. Let us know what you think. I have been your co-host, Rick Barrasso.
1: I have been your co-host, the big deck Boski. Keep watching everyone.